the studio. Testing one, two, three. Welcome to Blacklight, everybody. It's Ryan Douglas. I'm here with another special guest, a friend of mine who just sold his debut middle grade, Cameron Battle and the Legend of Chidani to Bloomsbury. Yeah, we're just going to jump right in this conversation. Thank you for being here, Jamar. Jay Thank Perry. you so much for having me, Ryan. I'm so happy to be here. Of course, of course. This is long overdue. First of all, um, congratulations on your deal. Thank you so much. I really, I really appreciate it. I really do. I'm really excited for you. Um, I'm excited for you too. Oh, thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. We've been, yeah, we've been like watching each other's journeys, so it's always nice for us to both be, you know, in it together for sure through the ups and downs. So tell me how long you've been writing and how long it took you to get this deal. So I've been writing seriously towards like getting an agent and being published for. Nine years now. So I started mm. when I was 21. I, I can remember this because I was in college. I was an undergrad. I was, uh, I was a junior. I was a junior in um, undergrad. Um, and I remember, uh, you know, because I just, I read my entire life, right? And so people always say that, like, if you're a good reader, then you can become a good writer. Um, and if you're a good writer, then that informs your reading, right? So the, mm-hmm. it's like a, a, like a cycle, like a cyclical nature, right, of reading and writing. And so I had read my entire life, so I just decided that, you know, I've always put myself in other worlds, so I wanted to, like, build myself in another world as well, right? So mm-hmm. by putting myself in another world, what I mean is, like, I always, like, picked up books and read um, books, and I always imagined myself in that world. And so for me, I wanted to create something so that I could see myself in that world. And so that's when I started writing. I started writing for Sirius when I was 21 years old. I finished my first book when I was 22, when I graduated um, undergrad. Uh, I didn't do anything with that with that novel because, like, uh, I became a teacher. Um, I became an educator. Uh, I taught middle I, I taught middle school students, um, and so I kind of just like put that dream on the back burner because I kind of thought that I wrote something, but I didn't think I was good at writing. So I went into another field. I said, well, let me just go into education because I'm always good at talking. I'm good at teaching um, students how to read. I'm good at teaching students how to write. So I just kind of put my writing on the back burner and I went to education. Um, It wasn't until I went to uh, get a Ph.D. when I was 26 years old um, that I decided to really take it seriously again and really like write uh, towards getting an agent and towards getting um, published. So it's been a long Long journey, right? So I started when yeah. I was 21, and I finally got an agent when I was 27, and I sold my book three years later yeah. when I'm 30. So It'd be like that. Yeah, it'd be like that sometimes. Yeah, my journey was also um, about 10 years to, to book deal. Did you always write fantasy? Yeah, I've always written fantasy. Always. So, like, who are your inspirations? Um, I think that, for me, it's not really an inspirational type of thing. It's more of a escape its own type of thing. Does that make sense? So, like, for me, like, fantasy and, like, paranormal and, like, speculative literature and speculative TV shows and movies, were, it, was like a, it was like a form of escape for me because I grew up in... And, I mean, you have, I mean, you've had conversations about this, but I guess I, I won't go into all of it now, but I grew up really rough. And mm-hmm. so speculative uh, was just something that I could, like, bury myself into and, like, escape into because I grew up really, really, really rough. And, like, I was always this boy who was, like, misunderstood. I didn't really talk much when I was growing up. I didn't really have many friends when I was growing up. And I still don't have many friends now, but it was, it was, it was, it was just, I would just read anything that would take me out of my present circumstance, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's why I love fantasy and I love paranormal and I love sci-fi and I love magical realism. I love anything that takes me out of the ordinary world, takes me out of that contemporary world of where I am now. And it puts me into a place where, um, 
I can be who I want to be. I can say what I want to say. I can talk what I want to talk. Um, I can really just build myself in a way that I can't build myself um, in the natural. Yeah. So I've always loved fantasy and speculative fiction. Yeah, that was very beautifully expressed. Thank you, Ryan. Oh, yeah, it was really nice to listen to. Um, so tell me about the premise of Cameron Battle and what inspired you to write that one. Yeah, so uh, I got my first agent uh, at 27, um, and we wrote two books together that didn't really go anywhere. Um, so then I started um, thinking about when I started. So the, yeah, the first two books that I wrote were YA. But then I started thinking about like when I actually started to love reading, and that was when I was in middle school. Um, because as again, as I said, like middle school was like it was tough, you know. Elementary school is like a whole like middle school is just a whole different beast from, yeah, yeah. <laughs> from elementary school, right? So, middle school is that time where you you finally like you start getting your friend groups and people start getting into cliques, mm-hmm. and you know, that's like the first time where you like move across the class, move across the school, yeah. like in different classes, right? So, like yeah. elementary school, you stay in one class like the entire day. Versus middle school where you're, you have a different reading teacher, you have a different math teacher, things mm-hmm. like that, right? And it's just like exposure to all different Right, it's just like an exposure, right, yeah. It becomes like a war zone. Right, and so I found myself being very lonely in middle school. I think that's where the, where the, lon- the loneliness started where versus with elementary school, like I was just like a free spirit. But in middle school, I kind of felt like I was just alone. And that's when I learned how to love reading and love writing. And so I, I started thinking about like, you know, how when I was in middle school, there wasn't really uh, literature that like really grappled with what it means to be like a middle like a middle aged black boy, right? There was a lot of books about white people, but there just weren't a lot of books about black people um, in general and black boys in specific, right? And so I really want to write a book that really showcased who I was um, when I was in middle school and also show what I liked, right? So I always liked, like what I told you earlier about like how fantasy and speculative fiction is always like an escape, like, like an escape for me. So I wrote the book about this black boy who finds a book, right? Just like how I did when I was in middle school. And he learns how to escape through this book. And this book is not only escape in the natural, but it's also and it's also an escape in the fantastic as well. So this book opens up a brand new world for him that's, that that exists outside of our world as well, right? Mm-hmm. And so I kind of put, like, I literally put myself on the page and then made, and just built a fantasy, um, uh, a, fa- a fantastical setting around it. So that was my inspiration, really, just like who I was as a person growing up and what I like to do growing up. And that's why I wrote it, yeah. Yeah, that kind of sounds like what happened with my first book, too. Oh, yeah. Um, Speak a little bit more. Well, no, I mean, you said everything that I, <laughs> I would have said. But yeah, I mean, it's it's just being able to escape and then wanting to also put yourself on the page in a mm-hmm. way that helps you make sense of yourself. Right. Um, and the combination of those two things, when right. it happens, it creates the, the magic. And also, like, put myself on the page, put myself on the page um, so that I can be able to understand myself, mm-hmm. but also so that black boys who pick up the book will understand that like who they are is already perfect right Right. like who you are is already like who you were designed to be and Mm -hmm. so like when you read the book um the boy just like me the black boy cameron is his name he's he's alone he feels like no one understands him um but he learns through this process of like going through this like fantastical kingdom and reading this magical book that he is special and that whatever he's you know who he is it's just a, like who he is 
like on the page and who he is as a natural person is already special. He doesn't have to do anything outside of like being who he is. Mm -hmm. And so I wish I had learned that when I was a child. Yeah. I mean, that's our unique responsibility now to give them that before they have to retroactively look back and realize they didn't have it. And now they're coping with all the things that they should have coped with back then. Um, you switch agents. Mm-hmm. So can you talk about why you made that choice and why sure. um, why somebody yeah. might have to make that choice? Ultimately? Right. So uh, just to be completely transparent with you, I, I'm on my third agent. <laughs> um, and so, right. And so a lot of people think that uh, that once you leave your first agent or once you go to your second agent or once you go to your third agent, like that makes you like a bad person or that makes you... Um, you know, sort of less than other authors who may have, who may have stuck with one agent throughout their entire career, but that's totally not true, right? Mm-hmm. And so I got an agent, uh, my first agent was when I was 27, um, three years ago. My first agent was someone who picked up my book. There was this big explosion of, of African fantasy at the time, mm-hmm. um, during the time I signed with my first agent. Um, and so my first novel was a YA uh, uh fantasy that was inspired by West, like West African culture. Um, and so my first agent, I kind of felt like she signed me because of the whole wave that was going on. Right. So these mm-hmm. West African novels, like fantasy novels that were YA were getting all this money um, at, um, when they went to publishers. Right. So they had these huge auctions where they, it was making all these authors were making all this money. So naturally agents are drawn to that and they want to sign other people who write in that genre because they want the money, right? Mm-hmm. And so, um, and I understood that. Like, I understand that, like, some agents, um, even though it's, it's kind of problematic because I kind of feel like you should, like, you should be, a, you, you should want to sign someone to cultivate them for the long term. Mm-hmm. But my first agent, I felt like she didn't want to cultivate me. I felt like she just wanted to kind of use that first novel that I had to make a, 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 a lot of money. And mm-hmm. that was what she wanted to do. So when my first book went on submission to publishers, um, so my when my agent went through revisions on the novel, we went through three revisions. She sent the she gave me a list of editors to send to and publishers to send to. She sent it to publishers and ultimately it didn't sell. Unfortunately, it didn't sell. Um, and we was on sub for like I think a year, um, and it just unfortunately just did not sell. And so I noticed that like once that book didn't sell, the communication just stopped between us. Um, oh no! Right, the communication just stopped, and so I would email her and just be like, "Hey, how's it going? I have this new book that I'm, I'm working on. Um, do you want to take a look at it?" You know, sometimes she responds to my emails, and sometimes she just wouldn't. And so, in my head, I knew in my head that she didn't sign me because she cared about me and she wanted to cultivate my writing career and, and she wanted to watch me grow. She signed me just to make a quick sell off the first book, and that's the reason why she didn't respond because my first book didn't sell. So why would she respond? Mm-hmm. And so I thought I kind of felt like she was waiting on me to like. Um, take the plunge and just fire her because she didn't want to fire me. So I just fired her. Um, I wrote something new. Um, I found a new agent. Um, and that one didn't work out either. Um, we eventually sold Cameron Battle uh, a year later um, when I signed with my second agent. But that didn't work out either. So I had a conversation with her about like why I left my first agent and about the communication issues that we had with each other and why I needed communication why communication was important to me, especially as a diverse author. Like I just really wanted someone who really cared about me. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of felt like all everything that I said just went on deaf ears. So once Cameron Battle sold, thank God that it did so. And I'm glad that it did so with her. 
but once that sold, once it sold, I was just like, it's time for me to kind of make my move to someone else who really understand, you know, understand the importance of communication. And I think that's really important to really not only know for yourself within yourself why, like why you want the type of agent that you want to have, but also to be upfront with the agent that you do have and say, hey, this is what I need and this is what's important to me. And if they can't, if they can't fulfill that, it's time for you to go to someone else. So yeah. with my third agent now who communicates a lot better and I'm happy to be where I am. That's good. I'm glad you're happy. Yeah. And it's really inspiring to see how you take control of your career in that way. For sure. Yeah. Um, because it's a really hard thing to do. Because you feel like you feel like it's personal when it's really not. Right. And you also feel like if you leave this agent, what's gonna happen next? Yeah. Or you know, what is this agent going to say to another agent about me? Right. Or if I leave this agent, what is other people going to think? Are they going to think, well, Jamar's on his third agent now. Like, obviously, he's a failure. Mm-hmm. Well, obviously, there's something wrong with him. Um, yeah. And that's how much Tim is not. It's, it's just like you're just not clicking with that agent. Yeah, and it's just a business people don't relationship. Click. Right. And people don't click. And it, it, it is what it is. That's just, that's just real life. And I think that we have to understand. I think we talked mm-hmm. about this last week or two weeks ago about nuance, right? So we have to understand that just because I leave someone doesn't mean that we're both bad people. Like mm-hmm. we just left each other because it's a business relationship and that business was faulty and it's just time to go to someone else. Right. And we need to understand that, that everything is not black and white. There's some gray there. As well. Yeah. I feel like the fact that agents have so much power right. in the industry and also combined with the fact that people just gossip a lot makes it weird. It's 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 a uh, it's a it's a poor working relationship business wise, mm-hmm. which is all it really right. Is. And I think that you're right. I think you said something important when you said that we think that and a lot of do, and a lot of agents do have power, right? They do have power, and there is a power imbalance there. Like when you haven't mm-hmm. sold anything, and then the agent is up there, and this agent is selling stuff like all over the place, mm-hmm. and then you're you're the client so who many hasn't sold yet to make money from, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so just, like, you don't have you don't you don't make money off anybody, right? Yourself. So there's a power imbalance there, but we have to understand as writers that like we hired them to represent us, not the other way around, right? So they didn't hire us; we hired them. So mm-hmm. we have to be very conscious, like who we are as a as a person, what do we understand within ourselves internally what we want and then communicate that externally to the agent, right? Yeah. So understand who you are as a person, understand what you want in the agent uh, client relationship and then make sure that we say that this is what we want. Because a lot of people, they, they get into situations where they know themselves and they know themselves internally, but they never evoke it. They never say <laughs> what they want, right? And then yeah. issues happen and people get offended and those things happen, right? But for me, like I just find it like really important as I get older is that like understanding who I am as a person and then letting people know what I value within myself and what I value in this relationship. And if that value is diminished, then it's time for me to go to separate myself from that person. For so, sure, for sure. Yeah. So let's talk about the fact that you are pioneering mm-hmm. as a queer black man writing queer black boys into MG. I don't think we've ever had that. Have we had that? Never, never. We've never had that. Never Yours had that. is the first one. Yeah, right? the first one. Yeah, the first sure. queer black boy, definitely in middle grade fantasy, which is like a huge milestone. Mm-hmm. Nobody in the industry is ever going to like acknowledge it as such, yeah. just because they don't give a shit. Yeah. <laughs> but it's incredible. So, okay. So let me let me think of like how to angle us into this conversation. Um, what what is it what does it mean for you to do that? Do you feel like a responsibility on your shoulders, or do you feel like it's just kind of like you're one person and you're telling one story? Like, how do you feel about bringing that story into middle grade? It's very empowering, um, but it's also really scary too, right? Um, I think there's a fear there because 
that's never been done before, ever. Like, mm-hmm. even, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about just children's lit in general. Like, I've never seen a queer black boy as the main, main character mm-hmm. of a story. Um, in YA, I mean, of course, yours is coming out soon, but mm-hmm. I've never seen a queer black boy, like, take the stage as, like, the, this, this is the person that is driving the narrative, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and now to do it in middle grade, that's a whole different type of thing that I have to deal with, right? And so for me, it's a little, it's empowering because I'm able to be the first one to actually do it, but it's also scary because, like, I'm always thinking about, like, how are people going to react to this boy on the page who's, he's black, he's unapologetically black, and he's also queer, and he knows that he's queer, and he he loves his best friend, his best friend's name is Zion, um, and Zion loves him back, right? And so, I'm fearful that people won't understand why that this that this this character is queer and why he comes to his queerness with within the story, and I'm just like scared scared of any backlash that may come with that. But it's also empowering because I know that like the praise will for me it'll dwarf you know all the backlash that may come from it, mm-hmm. right? So I'm so I'm getting ready for people to say, okay, well, uh, black boy is not supposed to be queer or middle school students are not supposed to be reading about a gay boy mm-hmm. in literature. Like I'm ready to have, I'm ready to have that conversation, but I'm also ready to have those conversations where we say, okay, that this is represent, this is the representation that we need and we love this representation. And why did you write this representation? And what can we do with this representation now that you've written it? Mm-hmm. So I think it's like a catch twenty two. It's like a double edged sword for me. Like, yeah, I feel very empowered, but at the same time, it's still there's still some fear there that people won't understand why I wrote what I wrote, or they won't understand the character. Yeah, I definitely understand everything you're saying. Um, I, I feel like you know, obviously, it's easier in YA because we do have. I mean, we don't have queer black boys in speculative, but we have mm-hmm. like gay characters in right. other books middle grade it gets to be like are you like quote-unquote influencing the youth or whatever because there are gay black males in in ya but we're not running them right and so that's yep. and that's a conversation that, that that's why <laughs> i'm saying that like thing, yeah this would be like the first like me and your me and you would be like the first ones who finally get the chance to like write who we are mm-hmm. and in, not only in an authentic way in an authentic way so now not only is this this is this gay black boy on the page but this queer black boy or this queer black male is also writing it, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think that's that's the the biggest milestone ever, I think, because I feel like there's a lot of people who tell our stories, but they're not us. And right. they don't do it authentically and they don't right. do it in a way that's like when I read when I read it, it's, it doesn't speak to me because it's not my experience. Mm-hmm. And I think I don't think and I don't think that you can totally understand someone's someone's experience unless you are that person. So yeah. I think that that's why it's so powerful that me and you are taking that step to to do it, right? Yeah, and then it comes into the feedback that you get from editors because they expect your right. life to be a certain thing mm-hmm. because they've gotten your life written by somebody who has not lived your life. Right, yeah. And, <laughs> and so then you're having right. to advocate for yourself right. and fight for your truth. And so, yeah, you're getting all these notes from editors like, will he do that? Yeah. Okay, but yes, he would do that because yeah. that's how we are, right? Right. But like, they're getting this gay black boy from a white lens mm-hmm. because they, they are requiring white writers or white female writers who mm-hmm. are writing black male characters and they're fetishizing them and showing us in a, yes. and they're showing us in a way that is not indicative of our experience. And so I think that that's important for us to be there to show that this is who we are and we're living it uh, uh, like un- uh, unapologetically. And 
you know, and damn anyone who damn anyone who has a problem with it. Exactly. Know? Yeah, for sure. And like even like and that and I guess I should correct myself when I say that like like we're the first, but like when I think about it, we kind of are because even with the with the black boys who are on the page, the gay black boys, they're like lighter skin with mm-hmm. like green eyes <laughs> and like you know what I'm saying. So like yeah. I yeah. feel like there's I feel like there's just a different. We just have a different perspective about it because both it's are like yeah. writing a black boy without trying to make him palatable, right? Yeah, so like yeah. Cameron in my book, he is he dark, he's a dark skinned black boy, he has brown eyes, like he has kinky hair, <laughs> like we love to see it, right? And we love to see it, right? And he and he and he loves his best friend Zion, who's like brown skin, kinky hair, like it's like the same. So we, we get to see like two dark skinned boys love each other, I love that. Um. In a way that's like like how a middle school person would love right. their best friend, right? And right. we get to see that on the page, and I think that's really important. I agree. Yeah. Anything else you want to talk about? Um, I think we had a good conversation. So, what are you working on next? Are you working on anything new? Um, yes, actually, your plans. Thank you so much for your question, Ryan. Yes. Um, <laughs> I'm working on an adult book now. Well. I finished working on the adult book and it's now on submission to publishers. Was on submission to the publisher that I sold Cameron Battle to. Um, it's an adult book uh, featuring um, a dark skinned black queer man. And it's like a it's a vampire book. Um, it's not like Twilight at all. So there's like there's romance in it, but it's not like it's like I feel like we've gotten away from the vampire mythology, uh, mm-hmm. the vampire mythology as being the vampire being scary, brutish, brutal, um, just doing things because they want to do it, right? I, mm-hmm. I feel like we got away from that mythology in in publishing. So I want to bring back the vampire who's scary, the vampire who's in your nightmares, the vampire who, who can control you with just a glance, the vampire mm-hmm. who can burn you with just a glance, the vampire who can fly, right? So I want to bring back, you know, those type of vampires and put a black boy at the center of it and just see what happens, right? And yeah, that's what that's that's what I'm working on next. So I'm working yeah, on that. I have to see that as well. Um, I'm working on uh, a rom com, an adult rom com between you know featuring two black men. <laughs> so I'm working on that too. Um, yeah, so I'm just working on a lot out here. Your boy is working. Okay, and we're so excited to see it, and we're excited to pre-order and purchase all the work that comes out. Of course, and I'm excited um, for your stuff too as well. And I can't wait to pre-order, and I can't wait to. Do giveaways and do all that stuff. Thank we you. have to support each other, right? We do. I'm glad we're on this journey together. Yeah, because once one of us make it, or once one of us make the list, or once one of us get all the stars, or mm. once one of us get all the reviews, that's when they're like, like oh. open the door for a lot of other people yeah. coming after us, right? So there's yeah. not many of us out here. Yeah. Well, thank you for all that you're doing. And thank you for supporting me, and thank you for being my friend. Of course. And I will always support you, and I'm very excited for Cameron Battle and everything that's coming out from you. And make sure you invite me back, you know? Yes, I will definitely have to invite you back, because some people don't want to be on my podcast. I'm not going to talk about that. (laughs) Um, No. um, But yeah, thank you. This was a great conversation. Thank you for Um, having me, and I'll see you next time. Yes, thank you. All right. Um, what are your social media? What are your social? Follow media? me on Instagram at Jamar J Perry, which is J A M A R J P E R R Y. Okay. All right. It's easy, pretty straight and simple. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. Thank you everybody for listening, and 
I'll be back at some point in the near future with a new episode. All right. Bye.